John chapter 1, starting at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's a great text that Dai has just uh, kicked off for us. And in this text, we see an amazing and awesome example of people just telling people about Jesus. People going and bringing the good news to people. Even when they're cynical and skeptical, they push in and they press on and they invite people to come and see Jesus. I was reminded uh, when I read this and kind of studied this and thought about this of a story of a lady called Mandy. Now, Mandy was a lady in King's Cross, and a lady that we actually were going to invite to come and speak at our church in King's Cross once we heard her story. See, Mandy was a third-generation prostitute. Her grandma was a prostitute, her mum was a prostitute, and now she was a prostitute. Mandy talks about being sold for sex at the age of four. She was brought up around prostitutes, pimps, drug drug addicts, con men, thieves. She was molded in a specific way. Mandy used to say that she would sell her body for powder just to get high. She would say that heroin was her best friend. Mandy eventually became a mum, and not wanting the same for her daughter, she was desperate to change. But despite attending five rehab programs, countless courses of medication, being in and out of prison, she still couldn't change. One day, Mandy was walking through King's Cross, and she saw a guy that she thought she recognized from her circles of life. So she crossed over the road. She chased him down, and she quizzed him. She said, hey, you look slightly different. Like, what's going on with you? Like, there's some sort of transformation going on. What are you up to? This man smiled at her, and he simply said, Jesus. Like, he's changed everything. I've started going to church, and you should come, by the way. Jesus, are you joking? A little bit like the text that Dye's just read. Philip goes and speaks to Nathaniel. Hey, you should come. Met with a cynical response. Jesus, like from Nazareth, are you joking? Like, honestly? He presses in. He said, you should come. He's changed everything. So Mandy, thinking that he was into some sort of scam, thinking that he was actually robbing and stealing from the church, thought that she wanted to get in on the action too. So she decided to go along just to see how she too could make a little bit of money from the church. However, after a few weeks of attending church, 
she quickly realized it wasn't a scam. She quickly realized that actually he wasn't robbing from the church. She quickly realized that actually Jesus is the one that makes all the difference, that has changed this guy completely. And the transformation is incredible. And Mandy gave her life to Jesus. And the fallout from that, the repercussion of that, is that her life began to slowly change. She gave up the heroin. She was free from the heroin. Her destructive lifestyle changed. The patterns that she was caught up in suddenly broken. And her life was completely turned around. So much so that at the age of 45, she got her first proper job, proper paid job. She was in senior management at Holloway Prison, working with women in the prison. It's a women's prison, woman's prison. And basically, she would share her story. She would share Jesus with women that she remembers doing drugs with. Women that she remembers selling her body on the street with. She would share her story with women that she was once in prison with. Mandy's work was so recognized, so honorable, so incredible that in 2012, she got the honor of carrying the Olympic torch. A year later, she was uh, rewarded a commendation from Princess Anne for going above and beyond in her work with the women who were addicted to drugs. It was recognized that this lady is making an absolutely incredible difference, and it's all because of Jesus. It's the one that makes all the difference. It's the person who makes all the difference. The power of the personal invite. Oh, you should come. Come and see. Come and see what church is like. Just come and check it out. Yeah, 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 I know. I know it sounds strange. You should come. Just come. See the fallout. See what Jesus does. When people come to him and, 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 and give their lives to him, he makes all the difference. Are you kidding? Like Jesus, the son of God, the one who all things are created by, you connect with him, your life's going to change. Your life is going to change. The world is going to be a better place having met with Jesus when we align our hearts and lives with him. So looking at the text then that Di just read, what an incredible text There's a real emphasis on this text of of being found, of seeking, of seeing. You just read through it and you see these buzzwords. He found Philip. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel. It's an incredible text with a real emphasis on being found and seeing. I want to just give a little bit of the context, though, because this is obviously, uh, it's the fourth gospel. It's the Gospel of John. And when you read the beginning part of John, basically the author's wanting to just say, guys, this is incredible. Like the maker of all things, like the Lord of all, the God of God, the King of kings, he's coming to earth. Like the word became flesh. God pitched his tent with mankind. Heaven kissed earth at this moment. Guys, this is it. This is what life is about. Heaven is coming to earth in the person of Jesus. And John's excited. Like, there's nothing else outside of Jesus, really. Like, like, this is it. Like, this is it. Jesus is it. It's as good as life gets. Jesus is the one that makes all the difference. And John is saying, this is it, guys. This is going to be amazing. Like, we're never going to be the same again. The world is never going to be the same again. When Jesus comes, when God steps down in flesh, we're never going to be the same again. The world is never going to be the same again. And then he talks about um, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist saying the same thing. He's like, guys... 
Are you ready? Like the Son of God, the one that people have been prophesied about, he's coming. He's coming to earth, and we're never going to be the same again. Jesus is coming. It's not me. I'm not the Messiah, but the Messiah is coming. Guys, you've got to get ready. This is going to be awesome. Jesus is coming to earth. And you see him shouting about it, and the excitement's building in the narrative and the story. It's building. Like, this is it. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in Christ our King. What a beautiful name it is. We know the song, we sing it, but this is it. This is it. This is the moment. And then Jesus is on the lookout. His heart's pounding, and he's looking for people who are going to follow him. And he's choosing people, and he's finding people, and he's choosing and taking them as disciples. He takes two of John the Baptist's disciples. One of them is Andrew. What does Andrew do? He goes and tells his brother, Simon Peter. We know that Peter becomes the one that Jesus builds the church on. On that proclamation, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. So there's this pattern in John at the beginning of being found. Jesus coming to earth, revealing himself. People seeing Jesus, being revealed to them, and then finding and telling the message. They're playing it forward and they're passing it on. It's an incredible thing. I want to just pause just for a moment and just think about Philip's readiness to go and tell his friend. Like, when you find something so good, you've got to share it. I don't mean on Facebook, but you've got to share it. Like, when you find something incredible, you've just got to talk about it. You've got to kind of find a way that's not weird, that's not freaky, that's not religious, but actually, it's like authentic to you and who you are and say, guys, you've got to come and see this. Can I, can I just bring you along to this? Like, you should come to this. And here, Philip just does that. He goes and gets Nathaniel. Hey, you should come. He doesn't stop with the cynical response. And let's be honest, we've probably all had a go at inviting people to something and they're being like, nah, not my cup of tea. I'm not religious. Nah, not really. And there's that cynical, skeptical side. But he leans in. He's like, well, don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. That's what Philip says. Don't take my word. Come and see. An incredible thing. But I want to pause and just think, who's your Philip? Who's your Philip? Who was the one that actually told you about Jesus? Was it a friend? Was it a friend that said, you should come. Come along to this. Come to beer and carols. Come to, come to the Christmas event. Come to church on a Sunday. Who's your Philip? Maybe it wasn't a friend. Maybe it was an Andrew, a brother, a family member. You are here because of them. Most of us, it's our parents, isn't it, that we're brought up in the church. You're here because of them. And you're not sitting in a seat. You're sitting in a space of grace where you connect with God and where God meets with you and you're a living testimony that Jesus is alive and well and he changes lives. Like, that's where you are. You're here because of them. Praise God. Thank God for them. Let's not take that lightly. But let's play it forward. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're healed to healed. We're restored to restore. Like, let's spread and pass it on. Who's your Nathaniel? Who's the person that God's maybe revealing to you to say, go and tell them, go and tell them they should come, they should come. I love how Jesus saw Nathanael before Philip did. Jesus supernaturally sees Nathanael under the fig tree before Philip does. And Jesus sees the unseen. Like the people at work that you think would never come to church, Jesus sees them. He knows what's in their heart. He knows what's in their marriage. He knows what's going on. He sees them more than you do, and he's got a plan for them. And he wants us to engage, to be active, to say, hey, come, come and see. Come and see. Jesus was pleased with Nathaniel. He said, hey, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You will see greater things than that. You will see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What a great promise, eh? What a great picture. So scholars believe that this is a reference to Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob was in a place called Bethel, and Jacob has this dream where heaven and earth are touching, where this ladder is going from heaven to earth, and angels are ascending and descending onto the Son of Man. Jacob has a wrestle with an angel, which is God, and he experiences heavenly activity, so much so that he says, surely God was in this place. Jesus is giving him this picture, and he's saying, you know what? You, and as Dave said last week, this is plural. He's not just talking to Nathaniel. He's not saying, hey, Nathaniel, you're going to see a picture of angels going up and down from heaven. He's saying, you and your friends and your followers and your church and my people and P's and G's, you are going to see heaven and earth touch. You're going to see angel activity, kingdom of God breaking out in your workplaces, on the bus, on the tram, in the airport, in your flats, in your homes, when you engage with me, when you follow me and you believe who I am, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. And it's going to be other. It's not going to be like the world. It's going to be other. It's something other. You're going to see it. What a promise. What an amazing thing that he would say. Just before Katie and I moved to Edinburgh, maybe around four weeks ago, actually, um, we were living with Katie's family in Yorkshire. And we were at one of these, like, um, village fun days, you know, with ducks, rubber ducks and stuff. Kind of all right for the kids, not so much for the parents. Um, and you're kind of there, and one of my boys desperate for the toilet. And it wasn't the sort of thing that a bush would sort it out, if you know what I mean. So I had to take him to the public toilets, and they were filthy. But I'm not going to lie to you, the public toilets were disgusting. They were grim. They were grim. So I take my kid along to the toilets, hold my breath, send him in, and he's in there. And I wait for him, and I wait for him, and I wait for him. And I'm like, what are you doing in there? And after I'd kind of tried not to pollute myself with all the stuff that was on the walls and reading stuff, I was just like, come on. Then I noticed this box cemented into the wall, a donations box. And it just said, please give. And I was like, who on earth is going to give to a toilet fund? Like, surely the council pays for the upkeep of these toilets, not doing a very good job. But like, who would give money in a donations box inside this smelly toilet? And I thought I heard God say, you should. So I banged on the door and I was like, come on, hurry up, get out, come on, we need to go, come on. And I kind of have this wrestle going on with God. So I sheepishly say to God, okay, well, well, how much do I give to the uh, donations box? And I thought I heard God say, give everything you've got in your wallet. And I was like... <laughs> and you've got to understand... At the time, we were on benefits. Like, I wasn't working. It was before I'd started P P's and G's. I've got four kids. Like, if I don't know how much is in that wallet. I thought I had 30 pounds, which is a lot to give to a toilet fund when you're on benefits. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to. What are you, are you joking? God, like, give that. What the, this? And I'm just desperate to get out. Give all that you've got. So I reluctantly opened my wallet. And to my relief, there was only 20 pounds in my wallet. <laughs> Two 10-pound notes. So I get one of the £10 notes, and I reluctantly stuck it, stick it in the, and it just kind of in the donations box, and then I quickly get my boy, and I was like, come on, we're going to get out of here, before I hear any more voices. <laughs> and I tried to distract myself with the rubber ducks and all the music and everything, and I definitely didn't tell Katie that I'd just given £10 to a toilet fund. 
But you know, that night, that, that, that moment of, of just giving and, and walking away, all that time I was just sensing and feeling like that wasn't enough. Like God wasn't somehow satisfied with my measly 10 pound. Like somehow I'd shortchanged God and actually that God was going to redeem that. That God actually had a plan for that. And he's going to do something with, he's going to redeem it. So that night I was taking a shower and I thought I heard God say, Paul, get out the shower. Go and get the rest of the money. Take it down to the toilets. In fact, take the 10 pound, open it up and write on the 10 pound, Jesus loves you. And underline the word you. Jesus loves you. So I take the £10, I make an excuse. It was our beer and box set uh, uh, night, so we had plans, so that went out the window. Made an excuse, and I drove down, freshly showered, to the dirty toilets. It was about a five-minute drive, and I pull up, and as I get close to the toilets, I'm relieved to see they were closed. (laughs) However, outside the toilets, right outside the toilets, under a bush shelter, was a very sad-looking man. In his late 50s, a guy that I got to know as Derek was sat under the bush shelter. And suddenly my spirit leaps, my heart beats faster, and I'm drawn to go and see this guy. And I go and talk to this guy, and I make small talk about the weather, but I notice that the church bells are ringing. So I say, oh, it's great that the church bells are ringing, they're practicing for the bells, that's great. And then I'm like, oh, you know what, forget this. I said, oh, look... I, it sounds a bit weird, but I'm, I'm on a prayer walk. I'm just, I'm walking, I'm just praying. And I saw you, and I just wondered, like, is there anything that I could pray for, for you? And before he could answer, the 10 pounds screaming out in my pocket. And I was like, oh, actually, like, I feel that, that God wants me to give you this. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. I, I don't need it. I said, so give it to somebody else that does need it. But my part was just to give it to you. And then he said, you know what? It's amazing, actually. Today's my birthday. Today's my birthday. And I said, oh, happy birthday. Enjoy the 10 pound. He said, but you know, it's a really difficult time of year for me. He said, I'm just kind of sat here in the bush shelter, just thinking about my life. And between May and July, I remember losing my wife and my son to cancer. So I said, hey, can I just pray for you? So standing there on the side of the road, as normal as possible, with my eyes open, not hear ye, hear ye, Lord saith, what anything, just normal. I begin to pray for this guy. And I begin to pray and thank God that he got me out of the shower and he took me to this guy. And I begin to thank God that he saw Derek being born, that he was there at his birth. And I begin to thank God that he knew that Derek was sitting alone on his birthday under a bush shelter by himself. And I begin to thank God that he knows him, that he sees him, and he's got a plan for his life. And then I heard the church bells ring, and I said, Derek, I believe that God is saying that the church bells are ringing, and it's an invitation for you to come home. It's an invitation for you to come to church, to be found, to find Jesus, to be part of a community. And every time you hear the church bells ring, which you will every Monday, it's a reminder to come home. And I prayed for him. And then I remembered what I'd written on the 10 pound. And I said, Derek, can you just open the 10 pound? And as he opened the 10 pound, and as he read the words, Jesus loves you, he began to cry. And he broke down, he sobbed under the bush shelter. 
And you know, in that moment, heaven and earth were touching. At that moment, there was angel activity kicking off something other, the ministry, the power of God, the kingdom of God breaking out right in front of me. If I could have seen in the spiritual realm, I'm positive there would have been something of the heavens open at that time, in that moment, because his heart was warmed. He was feeling a love from God like he's never felt before. I said, I'm going to continue to pray for you, and I'm going to continue to invite you to church. Do you know what he said? He said this. He said, you know, I often wonder if God exists. And sometimes, because of all that I've been through, I don't want to exist. But it's meeting people like you, and it's experiencing things like that that keeps me on this planet. I love that God cared more about Derek than my hot shower. I love that God cared more about this man that was not sitting under a fig tree, but sitting under a bush shelter on his birthday by himself, thinking about the death of his son and his wife. I love that Jesus saw him and has got a plan for him. And then actually I got to play. I got to get involved to go and do something. Jesus has a plan for our work colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, our family. And he's asking us, he's asking us, just, hey, come on, get involved, get involved. I'm going to ask you to do some strange things, but it's going to be worth it. I'm going to ask you to stick your neck out, but it's going to be worth it. I'm going to ask you to lose face, face, but it's going to be worth it. If we do these things, we'll see incredible things. I feel that God's just really putting that on us. So the text then, there's a pattern. Andrew went and told Simon Peter, the guy that actually Jesus built the church on. Who knows who you're inviting to church? Who knows who you're inviting to the Cayley? Who knows what God's going to do? I bet you the person who invited Billy Graham didn't know that Billy Graham would one day preach to 215 million people. Bet you they didn't. Bet you they didn't know that. I bet you that person just stepped out and just talked to Billy Graham about God. But who knows? Philip went and told Nathaniel, someone who was cynical. He stuck his neck out. He leaned in, and the, the results were amazing. So these three simple words, words, come and see, and you should come. This phrase, you, you should come, it, it's kind of, I guess, maybe a bit more familiar, a bit more relaxed. But whenever we're talking about things, we're talking good about the church, we're talking about soul food, we're talking about the Kaylee, we're talking about our kids' baptism, we're talking about whatever, you just say, you should come, you should come. Hey, it's great, you should come. They're three words, but they're so amazing. And God takes the little things and he does incredible things with it. He takes the three words and he does incredible things with it. So my encouragement would be, having experienced and seen some incredible things with simple invite, hey, you should come. I know it's a bit weird, but you should come. It sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Yeah, but you should come. Just come. Just see what God does as you step out. Tiny, tiny bit of faith. Tiny bit there. God will do some incredible things. Let me finish with a final story and then we're going to respond. We don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers, don't we? Like, if it doesn't make a difference on a Monday, what is the point? Like, if we don't go to work on a Monday inspired and encouraged and fired up to tell people about Jesus and what he's done in our lives, like, guys, we're missing something. We want to respond, and we want to be active and proactive. We want to be intentional. We want to be brave and courageous. We want to draw a line in the stand, and we want to stand in a space and say, God, I'm in. I mean, I don't know what it looks like. I'm scared, yeah, but I'm in. I'm all in. Before Katie and I moved um, to Edinburgh, we were, we were in New Zealand, 
and we had the enormous task of furnishing our house, same task that we have now. But we were looking at the sort of eBay equivalent to find something, and we saw some shelves, some nice little bookshelves, and we kind of drove around to pick them up. Katie and the kids stayed in the car, and, and I popped over to the house, and the lady had brought the bookshelves uh, right to the garden fence. And it wasn't long in the conversation that she realized I wasn't a Kiwi. It might have been the accent, I don't know. But she said, oh, so, so what brings you to the country? And I was like, oh, well, I started working. I've started working at a church. Um, and then she just lit up. And she said, oh, I'm really interested in spiritual things. I was brought up a Sikh, and I hated it. I was like, oh. And she said, I just hate religion. She said, but I'm interested in spiritual things. I'm interested in spirituality. So we had a little conversation, and very normally, very natural. I said, hey, why don't I just say a little prayer then right where we are, hey? So I said a little prayer for her over the garden fence. And again, heaven was touching earth. In them moments when you bring people to Jesus, like that's when it happens. The kingdom of God is at work. And watching her face as I'm praying, it's just a joy to see. And when I finish praying, she says, where's your church? And I told her where it was, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you should come. But what's it like? Oh, come and see. Come and see. You should come. Come and see. And I said, I'm going to wait for you on Sunday. I'll be there, and uh, I'll look out for you. Um, I hope you come. I waited, and I waited. And she didn't come alone. She came with the whole family. And she did Alpha, and she became a Christian. And I had the privilege of baptizing her a few months later. And it was a joy to watch her whole family be involved in the church. And I said to her, you know, I, I love having your shelves in my house. I really do. But I really love having you in our church home. Like your whole family. It's just amazing. I love it. Guys, Jesus is on the move. Like he's weaving all things together. He's wooing people to himself. And when we open up our day, open up our schedule, open up our pride, open up our conversation, we see great things. The power of the personal invite. You know, if we all brought one person at some stage, like we would literally double in size, wouldn't we? Right, any given Sunday. If we invited three and one came, like we would double in size. It'd be incredible. Like, and Jesus is doing this already. We are an attractional church. We're as a church that, that go and be, we be the church, but we also say come and see. And I know that we do things really well here. And one of the things that attracted Katie and I to here was knowing Dave's heart and Libby's heart of just wanting people to be introduced to Jesus. We're a, cent, a church in central Edinburgh who want to invite people, introduce people to Jesus. But my encouragement would be, look at the church calendar. Look at what's coming up. Kayleigh's, beer and carols, kids' baptisms, whatever it is. Like, Look at the church calendar. Make a note of it and say, I'm going to say to someone, hey, you should come. I'm going to this anyway, so you should come. Let's get lunch afterwards or let's get a coffee before. You should come. Just come. You should come. Like, we do things so well here. It's just, it's an easy invite. It's an easy invite. You could see your friend sitting next to you worshiping God in the year's time. Partly when I worship, I often just weep and just cry. And I think, because maybe I'm an emotional person sometimes. But you know what it is? Often I just imagine my non-Christian friends worshiping next to me. I imagine them next to me singing to the God that they didn't know a year ago. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. My encouragement would be to be brave and to step out and to look at these things and to invite people to come, to come. Because we're here. If he found us, he'll find them. If we can find him, they can find him.